0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Stephen Campbell about team building through comedy. Stephen Campbell, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm super excited to chat with you today. We're taking a little bit of a unique spin on team building and employee engagement. We're going to be talking about this and how we can accomplish it through Comedy. And that's really what you focus on in your work and with your firm. And so it's going to be a fascinating conversation to unpack that and really explore that together. As we get started, I wanted to share Stephen's bio with everybody. Stephen Campbell is a stand up comedian, fundraiser, and social entrepreneur. His company, U Street Comedy partners with comics from HBO and Comedy Central to produce team-building comedy shows and social impact projects for corporate partners. I just think that's so cool. Uh, before we launch on into the conversation, anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background, personal context? Uh, and, and honestly, I would be really curious as to how you kind of got into this space and made the the connection between comedy and team-building, employee engagement, social entrepreneurship, and social impact.
1: Sure. Yeah. And the bio that you read, it, it, it encompasses most of what we're doing, but the name of the game over the last two years, especially has been infinite flexibility. You know, um, we are a bunch of comedians, a bunch of marketers, a bunch of people that have studied and work in social impact. And so we've kind of just been blending it in as much as possible. Um, so I've been a fundraiser for about 10 years. I've been a comedian for eight, and I've always been trying to infuse comedy into some of my fundraising endeavors. And so this is just the current state that it looks like. Um, you know, we incorporated the company at the beginning of 2020, and we were focusing specifically on fundraising and corporate events. 2020 ended up not being the right year to go all in on event production. Um, and so then we pivoted to virtual stuff. So we've done a little over 200 virtual events with different corporate groups, um, you know, dozens and dozens of in person stuff as well since uh over the last two years. Um, but we kind of just organically got into it. Um, we st- started getting people that were outreaching from different professional organizations, alumni organizations and networking events and stuff like that. And then obviously at networking events and alumni organizations, there's a lot of professionals there that they wanted it for their company. And it just kind of organically grew that way, you know, and so always social impact is what is most important to us. So, you know, it kind of just organic, you know, we do a show with, I don't know if we can say companies, but we do a show with a fortune 500 company And one of the people that's on the show is also their social impact person. And then the conversations just organically grow. You know, we have a marketing mix and all that stuff, but we've been very lucky that almost all of our businesses come organically through uh, word of mouth and referrals and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: Well, that's super cool. And I I like how you you make these connections and connections that seem to fit for me, but I, I really don't see a lot of people making those similar connections. So that's probably one of the reasons why you're doing so well. Um, but making the connection between social impact uh, and employee engagement and team building that's actually huge there's a lot of research on that uh, a growing body of research and then connecting the comedy pieces that's a unique little niche and and uh, spin on it so I think I think that's all just fascinating. Um, Yeah I appreciate
1: it and 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 could you tell me a little bit because I know intuitively and I've seen a study here and there but do you have any stats on the be- – I, I, this might be a, a little bit of a uh, T-bone of a question, but do you have <laughs> any stats on, like, what a company's social impact does to employee retention and does for employee satisfaction?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, great question. I'd have to pull some specific numbers, but what I can say if I kind of summarize and synthesize what I'm aware of and what I've read – the impact is absolutely large. And what, what we what we know is that for particularly younger millennial and Gen Z workers, they really, really desire having work uh, with meaning and purpose. They, they want to find um, meaning, purpose, and fulfillment through their jobs. And that doesn't necessarily mean that what they're doing in their day-to-day has to be the core driver of that meaning and purpose, but the company has to find ways to connect their people to that meaning and purpose. And sometimes that happens through extra social impact types of opportunities uh, through the philanthropic arm or social impact arm of the organization. Uh, I've run some studies uh, specifically where, you know, looking at various motivators uh, of employee engagement and and satisfaction and uh, in wanting to make a difference in society as an indicator uh, for satisfaction and engagement. Is among the long list of all the things you would think about should be, you know, included. It's always right at the top of the list. It's always, um, it's always relationships with your coworkers. It's always uh, meaning and purpose in your work, and it's always uh, I do work that benefits society. Yeah. <laughs> those are the those are the core elements, and they're super um, salient. Uh, and predictive indicators and so so that alone is a really important thing that uh, I've talked to other people who kind of understand this idea of of social impact and social entrepreneurship and how that can contribute to the world of of team building and and engagement Um, but it's still a relatively small number of people that kind of are getting that connection so I I, kudos to you and your group
1: for oh I appreciate it man yeah and it is kind of um I am lucky that that has always been a driver to figure out how the company can make money while helping people. Right. Um, my master's uh, is in social enterprise. And so I created my own focus at Villanova for the MBA program. And it was this interesting thing because it's, we live in this very weird time with this specific thing, the social impact thing, right. Where I presented at the end of my MBA and everybody there, you know, it, Villanova usually pushes people into finance and pushes people into consulting and stuff like that. And and everybody in my class, no, not one single person understood why you would infuse a social, social impact into a profit-driven business model right that (laughs) they just like dude just would not compute like i like these are very intelligent people that i'm talking about that are getting groomed to be executives in corporate america and they just it was not registering right so this is 2017 that i graduated and so we sit in this weird place right now where tons of people are coming out of college this is our you know this is our number one we got to make a social impact and so these big ass companies are like throwing that over to older people that are really out of touch with what's going on and it's their job to now be in charge of diversity and inclusion, right? You know, the amount of meetings that I would get into, and for anybody listening, I'm a white dude, I would get into these meetings and it would be all white ladies And it would be like, we are now discussing diversity inclusion It's like, okay, well, I don't think I'm the person you were supposed to bring in for this (laughs) diversity inclusion talk. Right. And so, and it's, and it's God bless him. And a lot of people are trying their hardest, but like, it's, it, you are putting a lot of people that may just not have a grasp of it just yet. And it's, and it's good that companies are trying to change, but it's created this very interesting space that, you know uh, we have been able to come into some of these bigger companies and say like, well, actually like we we work with a lot of these nonprofits that do a lot of work in this space that you were saying that you want to make an impact. So we can put together this event and we can put together these campaigns and stuff because we already have all these connections with the people that are doing the work. Um, you know, my job is never to, uh, to be like, okay, well, if this, you know, if you want to help this type of person, this is how you do it. I will, I will, bring it over to the nonprofit or bring it over to the social impact organization that I work with that I know that they've got boots on the ground in that neighborhood that you are trying to work in. And so it's um, this interesting space that I don't know if there's any time in history that I would have been able to just go into some of these executive rooms or talk to these executives without a much larger track record. Um, just because a lot of people are scrambling to make that impact. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, God bless them. A lot of people are trying really hard incorrectly and they should be consulting with people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Joe, the amount of times that I, I'm walking into, I'm walking away from meetings, like, like, you know, some of these ad agencies are on retainer for like five, $10 million. And then in, in the ideas that they're coming up with, is like, Oh, I don't think you've ever met somebody that is in this demographic that you're saying that you're trying to help, <laughs> Um, and so it, and so that's like one side of it, the comedy side of it is this other interesting thing because yes, we do a lot of social impact projects. That's what I'm passionate about. But the majority of what we're doing is employee engagement stuff, right? So it's this thing that, especially during the pandemic, we like early pandemic, right? We kind of forgot the social utility that laughter has. I had got so mechanical with stand-up comedy that I, would, you know, you go up on stage, you tweak this, tweak that until you get the perfect joke. And it was all a formula. Right. And you kind of just forget that when you break it down, people are having tough lives and they just need some levity and they just need a break in that to stop thinking about all the things that they are worrying about. Right. And so it was this thing that we started getting tons of emails after shows from an accountant from a, you know, from just, just somebody that was in the, in the audience. And there's like, yo, that was the first time I've laughed in a week. Right. Like, especially like early pandemic. Like it, I had, I had one email. It was the first time that the guy had laughed in two months. He said, which, I don't know if he has something like at home, like we've we've gone 60 days without one laugh, like, you know, like one of those factories where people are trying to
0: (laughs) a big whiteboard on the wall. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He
1: just erased it during the show. I'm just like, hell yeah, we did it. We got it. We got the numbers off the whiteboard. It's this thing where one of the comments that we got was um, we didn't realize how many inside jokes we were going to get as an office. Right. And so it was just kind of this thing of shared laughter and shared jokes that um, there are all these unforeseen things like so much of what I have done has been moving out of necessity or moving out of, you know, like, uh, you know, the pandemic happened. So we had to pivot here. We had to pivot there. Um, and I'm lucky that the direction that we started sprinting in was a direction that is uh making a bunch of people laugh that probably wouldn't have otherwise laughed so
0: yeah that's awesome and i mean it's it's incredibly sad to think that someone's gone two months without laughing Um, i was crazy to read i was like i was like
1: i think you don't maybe your english isn't great like i was just (laughs) like no he was was you hope
0: you hope they're exaggerating Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. But it's true. Like we we are in difficult times, and you think of uh, especially back in the summer of 2020. Oh my goodness, that was a rough time with the absolutely. pandemic and all the social upheaval, and my goodness, and the political stuff. Like it was a really rough time, and lots of people had super high levels of stress and anxiety. And so, yeah, absolutely, finding a way to find levity. I, I was I was commenting to my wife the other day. Um, I, I think it's one of the reasons why that show uh, Tiger King took off. so well it's it's such a crazy show and it just took off because people were desperate to just have something to lighten the mood um and and i i binge watched that whole thing back when it came out like within a two days or something but i haven't i haven't touched the second season because i i don't care now like i i
1: absolutely don't care i haven't even (laughs) no, no thought of my head was like oh i should check out the second season i have Through the pandemic, you have these like snapshots of kind of where you were, like you think that you were doing okay and then you like, but I, as you said, Tiger King, I have this vision of me with a bottle of gin watching, (laughs) watching in because I was working and I was working in DC as things started to close down. So now I'm in this Airbnb studio apartment and I'm just locked in DC and I'm just like, okay, well, I'm getting a bottle of gin and I'm watching Tiger King. And that was and and as I say those words aloud, I was like, okay, you were not doing very well, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, well, excellent. So why don't you explain to us a little bit about how some of these these go? So you're you're infusing sure. comedy into team building and and engagement right and you're you and you're you're uh putting social impact efforts into that so maybe describe for the audience a little bit about how typical events might go uh if they've never even conceived of something like this and they might be interested in trying to pursue something similar
1: sure so the initial like q a process is is usually very quick right i i meetings typically don't go longer than like 15 to 20 minutes, but first question everybody gets content oriented. Is it safe for work? We always keep it at a PG 13 level unless asked to do otherwise. It's usually lawyers that are asking us to do otherwise. And, uh, the second question has to do with diversity, right? So we are in a very lucky place that we are headquartered in New York, uh, work with a bunch of people from comedy central and HBO and all sorts of stuff like that, that we have access to, the up-and-comers and the A-list comics, but we always want to make sure that as many perspectives are uh, illustrated as possible, right? And so the virtual is a very straightforward. Uh, you have your virtual happy hour, your sales meeting, team meeting, all-hands meetings, um, and we do an hour comedy show with three comics, one host, and it'll look a lot like the lineup that you would see at like, the Comedy Cellar here in New York. Um, the we will find a venue, we will set it all up and set up a whole production for your team to just come and enjoy it. Um, We are very fortunate that we are talking to all sorts of people that are linking us up with their companies and our number one goal is to make sure that that person looks good uh, when we take off because that that is uh, all we need is to just walk out of the room or close that zoom and now you're getting a reaming from your boss because of some topic matter or something like that but yeah so we we we've done 200 plus of these so we've become very good at navigating and tight uh the you know touchy work environments and stuff like that and um yeah it, the responses that we've heard back have always been we're yeah. very lucky knock on wood we've only received
0: positive reviews Yeah, that well, that's super cool, and like you said, it's always wise uh, underpromise, overdeliver, make the people who hire you look good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Always, always
0: a good thing. And I have to admit, like I, I remember back in the day, the first time I ever went to a workplace uh, event that had a comedian. This was probably I don't know fifteen. It was longer than that. It was probably about twenty years ago. It was pretty bad, horrible, absolutely horrible. <laughs> and, and I just don't think there was any connection. Like, I, I'm not sure who set it up. I'm not sure who the comedian, I don't remember who the comedian was. There clearly was no acknowledgement of like the business or who the people were that were sitting there in the room. It w- fell totally flat. Uh, There were things that were said that were incredibly inappropriate for a workplace
1: setting. Like it was just really bad. Because because think about the two people in that decision-making process. There's person A that says, whatever, we just want something to entertain them. And there's person B that's like, we'll sell you whoever you'll pay for. And we don't care because once you made the transaction where we are much more about like cultivating relationships and stuff like that, like like 30-ish percent of our businesses return customers just coming back on a monthly basis. And so it is this thing that we 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 will ask a lot of questions about who is your team, what do they do, where are they living, all sorts of stuff and get prepped. Like we want to make sure that the event is as enjoyable for everybody as possible. Where there's also this weird disconnect in comedy that typically, if you're a quote unquote corporate comedy comic, rather, you're probably not gonna be seen at the prominent clubs and you're probably not going to be a a you know like a it, there are very good comics that started in corporate it is very rare and typically if you if you are staying in the corporate circuit you're not the highest yeah caliber, yeah sure, which I, sure. You know, I, obviously that's a generalization and any corporate comics that are listening <laughs> i'm so sorry I'm so just <laughs> message me on instagram we'll see if we can get you on a show or something
0: yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. So that's all wonderful. I like the, the real, um, honing into the the client needs and, and sure. asking those questions that, you know, always important. It's, it's important for any, any consultant going into a business, trying to figure out how they can move the needle, make a difference, have an impact. They should be doing the same thing. They should be asking those questions. And so it always befuddles me when I see, um, you know, certain types of events held where clearly none of that happened.
1: (laughs) It's crazy. It's crazy to me. Like people will tell like, because there's so many people that I talk to, they're like pretty much what you said, right? Like either our company booked a comic five years ago or I was part of an event 10 years ago. And it's crazy to me that a comic would come up and just start talking like all X rated when you're talking to like a sales team. I will tell you one time I really messed up was I had just moved to New York It was my first like real big paid gig and it was at a WeWork, like this big WeWork, probably about a 300 person audience and they had had the IPO like two days before, right? And so WeWork was tanking and I thought I was at a WeWork that was like a bunch of people renting out the office space, but it was their corporate office. And so I got on stage and started talking about how these people better find new offices because their, you know, <laughs> their landlord is doing this and their landlord's doing that, um, not realizing I was talking to the executive board um, that had just made a bunch of mistakes publicly. And so um, that was my first ever, uh, ouch, <laughs> paid, paid gig in New York. And so. Uh, that is the horror story that's the only one that I've I've had a mishap like that but I did uh, yeah it was well
0: you know it may be fortunate that that was one of your first experiences because you learned
1: <laughs> you learned
0: firsthand what not to do yeah, so absolutely. That's good.
1: yeah, yeah absolutely yeah absolutely that's comedy is made of all sorts of those experiences like okay well I never want that to happen again so let's be a little bit more diligent
0: yeah yeah awesome well, Stephen, it has been a pleasure. I know at the time I'm going to have to let you go here in a few minutes. Cool. Um, but before we start to wrap up, uh, can you share with listeners how they can get connected with you, where they can find out more about what you're up to? And I know you have some new initiatives specifically with healthcare workers that you're focusing on. You can tell us a little bit about that and then yeah. we'll, uh, and then we'll wrap up.
1: Cool. So that initiative, um, if you know a healthcare worker, if you know somebody that works at a hospital, if you work with a hospital or a healthcare organization, hit us up because, we are starting to tour the country work, uh, performing at hospitals and performing around hospitals for healthcare workers in cities around the country. Um, it's a pretty, it, it, if anybody needs a little bit of levity and anybody needs a little bit of laughter, it is our healthcare workers, uh, them over the last two years and uh, God can only know how fatigued they are. Um, to not be getting that support. So we would love to be going in and entertaining healthcare workers. And so to get those shows funded, we're working with the healthcare organizations and the hospital groups, but we're also having different companies sponsor the shows and private donors sponsor the shows. So hit us up at Ustreetcomedy.com/slash uh, contact. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Stephen Campbell Comedy, S T E P H E N. Um, I just started TikTok and I hate those words even coming out of my mouth. But, <laughs> Steve- <laughs> but Stephen Campbell Comedy there too. So yeah, feel free to reach out. Um, we're having a lot of fun, making a lot of people laugh, and we'd love for you guys to be a part of it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Steven, thank you so much. Uh, before we wrap up though, you just mentioned TikTok, So I, and I, I have to just double click on that. Uh, so, you know, this is the, the, the new engaging app that particularly younger people love and they're using, but increasingly, you know, uh, old fuddy daddies like you and I are using as well. Um, so I'm, so I'm curious what you find about the platform that you, you hope will you know be compelling and, and, uh, help as you continue to promote your own work and the work of the firm
1: yeah I mean I wish uh I wish I could give an answer that didn't sound so shallow but it is where people are and I've got so much content from recorded shows and no like dozens and dozens of joke notebooks putting out content is is relatively easy I don't have to keep on like rebuilding it but um it's just a marketing channel that is something that needs to be paid attention to Um,
0: it's increasingly relevant. Right. Especially for younger populations
1: and we can push it off as much as we want, but it's going to be there no matter what. And so, or not, no matter what, I don't know what happens in the next couple of years, but um, yeah, it's, it's what everybody's on and it's where you have the best chance of going viral. Um, Mm -hmm. and it has algorithms that really hyper-focus your target audience. Um, there's all sorts of analytics in it that Instagram just doesn't have. Um, so yeah, I'm, I've, I've been putting it off forever. And so (laughs) (laughs) the next endeavors, NFTs and figuring out what the hell that means. (laughs) It's crazy, man, because like, like 10, 10 years ago, I'm 32 years old. 10 years ago the difference between a 32 year old and a 22 year old is like a couple words, maybe the outfits look different. Like now there's whole economic systems that I don't <laughs> even know about, right? Like there's like whole world economies that 22 year olds know about that a 32 yeah. doesn't know. So I'm I'm just desperately trying to learn and I feel like an old grandpa in Jinko jeans <laughs> like just trying to figure out what's going on. But um here I am on TikTok, Stephen Campbell comedy. Follow yeah. me to not to be very underwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
0: you, Stephen. It has been a pleasure. I really encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Stephen and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. That you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and I hope you all have a great week.